0: I'm I'm modeling a something
1: Hello, and welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that fights like a Krogan and runs like a leopard. With me today are a panel of nerds. Introduce
0: yourselves. Hi, my name is Derek. Um, I'm I'm here for the first time. Sam, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Never. (laughs) Sam? No. I hate the world.
3: (laughs) Okay, fine. That's Sam. She's here all the time. She says some really weird things. Hope you enjoy them. Make sure you save some ringtones. Also, I'm Jeff, a.k.a. Band 25 I've been here a few times.
1: And I'm, of course, Scott. Um, one bit of business before we throw this over to Pick of the Week. Right, I'm, We're going to start a contest, guys. It's exciting. Exciting shit. Our first contest. Woo! All right. So all you have to do to enter this contest is rate us and... Just just rate us on iTunes if you want to leave a review. That counts as two entries. And then you just email our show website, uh, sbopodcast at gmail.com. And I will draw a random name out of that pool, um, let's say a month from now. So two episodes when uh, I think that's the – I'm not sure what episode that will be. But two episodes from now, I will draw a name from that, from that out of a hat on, live, pre-recorded on the show. And that person will get five bucks. Woo! Five full dollars. Uh, either like... in your PayPal or you want me to just sign you a check, I'll do that. Want me to dump it into a charity, whatever. Five bucks. Is
3: that like Canadian or U.S.?
1: It's Canadian, but at this point, uh, that would be four ninety-six dollars 96 U.S. Uh-huh.
3: Uh, so I I'm don't just...
1: think you're going to miss the four pennies.
3: Uh, I'm... Hey, we got plans for those pennies, Penny Moon.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, oh, those four pennies will be donated to Dirk's Penny Moon. Wait, wait, okay. wait. Did
0: did the dollar drop or something?
1: I don't know what it's at. Like, I think is
0: that like a hundred and two cents? Like, oh, we're in that case, there. you
1: guys are gonna get five dollars and eight cents out of this.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Think about that. Think about that. All right. Penny so, moon. so just leave us a rating on iTunes and uh, write a review for a second entry. Just email me. If you wrote a review, tell me whose name you left it under. And that's about it. And I'll tell you right now, there's only 11 people who subscribe to us on iTunes right now. I think your odds are pretty good. All right. Pick of the week. Who wants to go first?
0: Jam. I will.
3: Jam, you want to do your jam?
0: Sure. I'll talk about jam. Jam. Okay. So... Jam is not just an awesome condiment that you can put on toast. It is very tasty. goes very well with peanut butter. But just think about this for a second. Replace certain words with jam and use that as your expletive. Ah, jam. Jam, man. Let's get going. You know, it's just... Jam, man? Jam, man. You replace the word, like, damn with jam, and it's, it's more appropriate. Well, Jam Man. And you can say that in more <laughs> formal settings. Anyway, that's about all I got. Somewhere,
3: someplace, there's a guy named Jam Man 026. He probably tastes pretty good.
1: Mm. I bet he reviews Common Rider figures or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go next. My pick of the week is... Technically, I think it came out about two weeks ago. Oh, well, who cares? It's an Xbox Live and PSN game called Stacking. By the guys at Double Fine.
0: It's
3: a strange little game where you play as Russian dolls, the stacking Russell dolls. Little one goes inside a bigger, inside a bigger, inside a bigger. The plot is something about you're rescuing your family from an evil baron, and you play this tiny little kid called Charlie, and he can jump inside other uh, stacking dolls, and you can take over their powers. Some dolls have you know no power whatsoever. They you know, blow a bubble with bubbles gum, big whoop. Other people you jump into and they fart, which actually is a power. Uh, Other people, they belch horribly or some nonsense or they sing or they open a lock. And you have to solve puzzles with these characters. And if you really, you know, put your pedal to the metal and went right through it, you can knock down the game in a day. But every puzzle has about five or six solutions. Uh, Some of the easier ones have three. So you go back and you play uh, those same puzzles every... And try and figure out every single solution to it, and it gets really addictive. And they have all these, you know, different things you can find. Special dolls that are tough to track down, and it's a really fun and addictive game. It's a little expensive for 15 bucks for a short game, but it's a fun game.
2: Cool beans. Cool beans. See now I'm trying to think if I if I can top both of those. I mean, Jam's pretty awesome. Stacking was okay, I guess. But
0: Jam, man
2: jam man um so my pick of the week is playboy
3: (laughs) (laughs) the one girl on the panel picks playboy
2: okay this is sort of a joke but my dad came home today with a stack of um playboys a full set from 1996 and 1998 And he came home. He felt the need to show me all of these. He says, look, I've got the Pamela Anderson Holiday Special Edition. Or he's like, look, it's a Cindy Crawford spread issue. Like, keep in mind, these are from, you know, yesteryear and whatever. But it was just really funny to see him come in and show me all these different playboys. (laughs) And then he didn't know who Norman Mailer was. And then when I explained who Norman Mailer was, he was like, oh, my God, why do you know that? I'm like, Dad, I've read Playboy before. This is nothing new. He was sort of shocked. <laughs> uh my loving daughter.
3: Look at this porn I have found.
2: I've watched, you know, I've seen my dad watch porn with my mom before. It's pretty funny.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. that, would,
3: that would scar me for life. <laughs> no, they were know, just sitting on get the, get the couch
1: watching the Paris Hilton video. Yep. <laughs> Just on the couch
0: watching it. If uh, it's, it's not enjoying version it, version watching Pirates. It, it is amazing. <laughs> it's Seriously. Just,
2: it's just funny to watch them. They, they'll sit, they'll watch like whatever porno it is that my dad got from some guy at work. And my mom be like, You know, I don't think it's physically possible to do half the stuff they're doing. And then they get into an argument about whether or not it's possible to do <laughs> some of these things. And it's like, Guys, come on. And then my dad would be like, Don't look. <laughs> I'll like, why? It's right there on an HDTV. He's like, the whole point is you're not supposed to look. It's embarrassing. My mom's just like, come watch it with us.
3: Nah.
2: <laughs> I have interesting parents.
3: <laughs> I gathered yeah. that,
0: yes.
2: So yeah, Playboy. From 1996 to 1998. <laughs> nice. <laughs> see. I'm going to re-listen to this later and realize that that was the stupidest pick I could have possibly made
1: Yeah, probably
2: (laughs) Oh well And yet the most hilarious Well done, Sam It's usually how it goes
1: And my pick is going to William Gibson's Neuromancer Um, I've been kind of on a uh, Gibson kick lately But I just started reading it the other day And it's hella great You have not read it go ahead i think it's one of the it has one of the few opening lines that really challenges uh my my top two of the greatest opening lines in 20th century fiction which are uh, the gunslinger and anna karenina
0: what were the opening lines to anna karenina
1: uh happy families are all happy in the same way uh unhappy families are dysfunctional in their unique in in each their own unique ways or something like that it Uh, gets translated differently Moving into to our main topic for the night, Mass Effect! Yay! Does anyone want to have any opening thoughts before we get into sort of nitty-gritty on one and two on the first game?
2: Well, considering, you know, these were the first Western RPGs I've beaten, I mean, it must say a lot right there. <laughs> well, for me, anyway, so.
3: Well, I'll say one thing about, this is more a statement on Bioware than it is Mass Effect, although Mass Effect is a great example of it. Bioware knows how to tell stories. My favorite thing about the Mass Effect games is when you start out, they let you pick your backstory for your character. Whatever it is, you can you know, have a whole bunch of options. And usually when you pick your backstory for your character, it is meaningless. It has no effect on the story from that point forward. In this game, whatever no, no, you pick... No, no, it gives it, you a plus two on a
1: certain skill.
3: It gives Is you a it? plus two on a certain skill. whoop the friggin do But that doesn't have anything to do with the story. But this one, that you know, I have... A, in my character, it has a backstory where he's the Butcher of Torfin, you know. He went off onto a planet and his entire team got slaughtered except for him. It was like, oh, that's kind of a neat backstory, but I didn't figure it have anything to do with it. But, no, it comes back to that backstory... Several different points on the uh, story, they ask him, you know, you, what was it like on Torfin? You know, how could you survive that? All your men died and all that kind of thing. And even in the second game, they still revert
2: all the way back to that first story. It was kind of surprising, actually, that, you know, it kept continuity instead of just saying, oh, yeah, your, your backstory pick didn't really matter that much.
1: Yeah, it, it's sort of like Elder Scrolls, where nothing you actually pick in the first in your little create a character session actually matters once you're out of you know the, the the starter dungeon. Whereas here, here they really like to like the BioWare when when they have an opportunity to uh, tie two games together, they will go out of their way to uh, just throw bits and pieces of it of the prior of the continuity at you.
3: I will say this about Mass Effect 1 versus 2. Mass Effect 1 had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mass Effect 2 had a beginning, a middle, and half an end.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and some of that's just it's the, the second act in a trilogy, and some of that's like mm, some slightly sketchier writing on 2 that I'll get to when we get to that game. But starting with Mass Effect 1, do we want to lead off with gameplay?
2: No, because gameplay was the aspect I didn't give two shits about. Well, It was <laughs>
1: rough. See, yes. th- th- this is my thing. Uh, I, this is why I want to bring up gameplay first, first. Is One thing I would just want to say in general is that I think I'm the only person who can be presented with a shooter interface in an RPG and not expect it to handle exactly like a shooter. And maybe this is just me spending way too much time playing Deus Ex as a kid. But m- most people come down on Mass Effect 1 in that they really bring a lot of the RPG into the shooting, and people don't want that. Like, like I, Sniper Rifles was the worst for this, Was you needed like seven ranks to even be worth pulling your sniper rifle out. And pretty much everyone panned it for that, and I think Alpha Protocol got the same rap. But <laughs> I, I'm very comfortable with understanding that, okay, the reason why this isn't behaving exactly right is...
0: Because it's not a shooter It's because
1: this isn't a shooter You
2: know I I admit I was actually fine With that aspect in fact I was actually happy With that more than I was with what I got in Mass Effect 2 Because my expectation was well if I want to Build my character I want to build Them a certain way And so like when I was building My character you know I wanted her to be proficient In certain weapons And if it meant that I have to put all my points there Then that's what I was going to do to ensure that, you know, they were built the way I wanted it. So that that part I wasn't upset with. My my big thing with the gameplay was how many friggin' times I had to use the Mako and how much I hate the Mako.
0: You know, I actually didn't have a problem with the Mako too much. I that mean, the had... areas that you drove around in were kind of bland, but it was I still had a decent time with it.
2: See, no, no, my my issue was it controlled like a shopping cart.
0: No, controlled like a, it controlled exactly
1: like. Your character, which you aren't expecting from a car.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: I didn't really have any problem with the Mako. It was a little wonky, but I could have done without it. But I didn't, you know, say, "Oh God, why do I got to play this stupid Mako mission?" The only real problem I had with the gameplay was when you first started out the game, you started getting items, and by the end of the game, you were just sick of the bloody items. You're like, "I don't care anymore. Sell it. Go away. I don't care." I just oh, forgot about it. The armor I got. Well, they kept. Eventually, your uh, backpack gets full, and it says, "Do you want to keep this item? Do you want?" And it got really annoying after a while. So what I do is every, you know, if if I played it a second time through, I got to keep all my uh, weapons and all my stuff from the first round. So I just sold everything I had in my backpack, except for the stuff I wanted to keep. And then when it filled up, I sold it all again. So by the end of the game, I was like filthy, stinking wretch. I could have just quit being a Shepherd and go back and live the nice life, but oh well, go ahead. Derek. I don't have
0: too much of a problem with the uh, actual gameplay like Scott. I mean, I pick up new uh, styles of gameplay very quickly, and by the end of the game, I mean, I played through as a vanguard the first time,, yeah. and I was very proficient at charging in, destroying everything around me because you can just pause it, aim it, and then shoot again. Yeah. <clears throat> and the entire room would just fall around me. That, that that is fun is
1: just pausing stacking everyone's abilities letting go and watching chaos just unfolds
2: obviously i didn't have that happen since i played as a soldier
1: <laughs> well no e- even if you even if you've only got like one or well if you if you get the second biotic on the team
2: just yeah. things
1: go nuts
2: i don't remember having a second biotic because i hated second biotic in that game <laughs> In terms of characters, actually, I don't even think I had a biotic for the most part. <laughs> no, I didn't. I played the game entirely biotic I had no choice in the second game, though. Yeah, I, right.
3: I didn't care for the whole biotic bit. I When they I let me choose who's going to die, the girl or the guy, it's like, yeah, kill the guy. I'm sick of the biotic. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I did that too. I was like, Caden, you annoy me. Also, you're unsexy, and therefore means I don't want to have sex with you. So, Liar, it is.
1: All right. Getting is... into the characters of one is um, something I want to say in big praise of Bioware is that they, like, when you first get to the Citadel, they do a good job of introducing you to each of the major ra- alien races. And if you if you read the main codex or even talk to a few of them on the station. You get a general idea of what their particular sort of hat is, and you know, Krogans are the pointlessly aggressive warrior race guys, and you know, Turians are the loyal, honor-bound guys, and the Asari are something else. And when you get the chari- and then when you get your care the character in your party that represents that race, it's kind of the opposite. It plays against the, the stereotype that they've already built, like. Garrus is a freaking, you know, he's a renegade cop. He's dirty, hairy, and, and awesome, and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you you get you know, Garrus kicks ass. Rex is one of my favorite characters from the first game, and you know, all these Krogans are just these mercenary hard ass guys. And Rex, you talk to him, and he's just really sad.
0: He really just wants more.
1: He just wants more for everything, <laughs>
3: for his people. Yeah, after the whole play up of their super hard asses, they're mean, they're nasty. You start talking to Rex, and he, it turns out he's the crying Indian
0: on the side of the road. You're like, really?
2: I liked Rex. He made me laugh a lot.
0: I don't know. I think definitely from the first one, one of my favorite characters was Liara Tarsoni. Yeah. Just the whole idea of the race that they can't actually leave their uh, environment in any way, shape, or form. They uh, have I, to stick in that. I think you're talking about Tali. Tali. Uh, Tali. Yeah. Which Liara is
2: the, right? the blue chick.
0: Right. Sorry, it's been a while since I played the first one. I'll, I'll admit that right straight up. Tiara. Excuse me.
2: Tali. <laughs> Tali.
0: I don't remember her full name. Tali
1: Vas Something. It changes
0: halfway <laughs> through the second game. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, her. <laughs> Corian lady. <clears throat> and I mean, just their relationship with the geth and that into the future
3: well, i like the aspect of you mentioned liara i like the aspect that in her race you know every other you now story you've ever read pure blood is what you want to be you know you want to be the pure blood you're the master race you're the and you're usually evil when you do that this is the exact opposite if you're pure blood you're trash you know you nobody wants to be pure blood you know, you're a pure blood born good god what's wrong with you <laughs> That I thought was the most interesting aspect of her story. She was a pure blood, which you know in every other story is looked at as a good thing, but she is reviled for it. Your own race is how can you be a pure blood? How could you do that to this race? How could you mate with one of your own? What's wrong with you?
1: Hey, I understand why the matriarch would would bang would have banged Liara's mom. She was a space bartender.
2: I suppose it's true.
3: Space bartenders.
2: So Woo! so what are people's opinions then on Caden and Ashley, who are pretty much the exact same person?
3: They are the exact same person. That's why they do that. It's the same person. They're both hard-ass military types. And so you get they, to decide which one's
2: and, and did anyone care when they died? Because uh, I didn't. I was kind of like, really. woohoo, I get to nuke Caden! Which sounds so oh, awful I, I chose when the you one I didn't it. care about, so... Well, the problem is that neither one of them... I mean, everybody else gets neatly fleshed out and somehow these are the two characters that get almost zero de- development
1: no no you find out that Caden uh, is angsty and uh, Ashley's uh, that racist. Ashley
2: many, that Ashley's racist and has too many siblings wow that's so much development well
0: I mean with Ashley you also have a lot of uh, background in terms of her military past and all of her relatives
2: prior yeah. to her but and... again that's not good development that's just adding something to a character that pretty much you know is going to get axed
0: this is true i'll give you that much
2: <laughs> like i picked ashley because at the end at the end of the day who is slightly more interesting caden who's a wanker or <laughs> Ashley, who is well i'm a part of the military i have this many sisters blah, 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 blah. It's like i huh?
1: like poetry please don't read any
2: so it's like who do i pick well if i'm going lesbian See you later, Caden. Like, it's it, you know, and I think even if I had played as a man, I still would have nuked Caden. <laughs> so it doesn't matter.
3: I like, played as a man. I nuked Caden. I was just like, who do I want more to stick around? I really don't care for Caden. I really don't care for, uh, what's her name? Jess. No. What was her? What was the Ashley. girl's name? Ashley. Thank you. Who do I really care for? Eh, Ashley's mission seems a little easier. I'll go get Ashley. <laughs> That's how I decided.
2: I know. I, I just like the whole plot where it's like, here, put Caden in this circle. Guess what? Caden's probably going to die. And me going, sure, why not? <laughs> you go there. I'll go do my mission. And I love it because Shepard's just like, oh no, Caden, you died. I'm sad. And I'm like, oh, Shepard, you condescending bitch.
0: I guess in that respect, <laughs> it was definitely no heiress <laughs> uh, I didn't even care about heiress when she got sliced.
2: See, I played Renegade Shepard in the first game, so she comes across more condescending than she probably should. Because, <laughs> like, I thought the Paragon options were really stupid in the first game. I'm like, you know what? It's no fun to play Shepard as a nice lady. But I'm sorry, you're a badass military lady. You're not going to be nice to people. Screw this. So I made her, like, a constant bitch. I changed a little bit when I played the uh, the second game, but...
0: Well, they give you those, uh... Wait, no, those were in the first game, too, weren't they?
1: What? The interrupts? The trigger
0: pull. No, that was only
1: in the second game.
0: Oh, okay. Those were... If you play the first one, you will miss the the interrupts. You will miss Yeah. No, I could definitely see that. Some of them were pretty fun. Oh, yeah. I mean...
2: Kick someone else. Like, well,
1: so many of the Renegade interrupts were, this guy's monologuing, I'ma shoot him. And it's like, (laughs) that's not even Renegade. That's just smart. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that's something I, else I will praise uh, the Mass Effect franchise for, is that um, their morality system is not uh, sort of Mother Teresa versus baby-eating. It's uh, almost idealism versus um, maybe cynicism or pragmaticism, where, you know, Paragon, is Shepherd is all happy and lovey-dovey and let's all hold hands and settle this peacefully, and Renegade Shepherd shoots your face off and shoots the face off over who's causing the most trouble and then
0: well she gets the job done or he or whatever. No no uh, she- uh, female Shepherd
1: is real Shepherd. Shen Hale is much better at the character than uh,
0: the other guy is. like he just sounds like a high school ga- guidance counselor no matter what. Uh, I-, I will admit uh, I've started the first game and got through Eden prime and stopped playing it for about three months and that was on a male shepherd and when I came back to the game I didn't remember what was going on so I restarted a character and just for fun I guess I decided to make it a female character and then that ended up being the one that uh, I played all the way through so I don't remember the male voice at all actually.
2: Truthfully I, I remember when I watched Scott play it for the first time I, I just think the male shepherd is so bland like he, he comes across like having zero personality. And then you've got Jen Hale doing the female Shepherd and there's so much crassness to her voice. Like when she when she does something that's really bitchy or and there's a lot of sensitivity when she's doing like a paragon action. So I, I kind of enjoyed that that Jen Hale actually gave a good kind of personality to Shepherd. It was very balanced. Whereas I found whenever I, I watched Scott play the male shepherd, I was like, he's boring. Make him not boring. <laughs> <laughs> Except, I mean, the only the only thing I hate about the male character is the fact that he can sleep with, you know, tally it, and That's only in the second game, right?
1: Yeah, only in right. the second
2: game. And then in the first game, it's either Ashley or Liara. Yeah. So that's not that's not so much a bad thing. Because <laughs> I'd still pick Liara. <laughs>
1: I guess we should mention some of the non-playable characters, like uh, Joker, voiced by Seth Green.
0: And he's, awesome.
1: He, he's awesome.
3: Yeah. Much Joker better did, in the second did, you, game, though. Yeah, Joker didn't get used enough in the first game. That's why I think they kind of overloaded him in the second, which I'm he not also complaining He really wasn't funny
0: in the first game. He was not especially funny, now.
3: I think he was, but they didn't give him any opportunities to be funny.
1: Well, you also only really only had the one conversation with him. Where you yeah. found out about his brittle bones.
0: And that was pretty much about it. <laughs> and then
1: sometimes he'd have a side remark, usually when he was pulling an evac on you after you blew up everything by mission.
0: I was really happy that they they brought up his uh, writing in the second game. Uh, th- there's a lot
1: of things that they... like Shadow Bro- like When we get into se- uh, the second game, I'm going to say a few things about Shadow Broker that are awesome.
0: Shadow Broker was indeed awesome. I haven't played that DLC yet. I think I um, downloaded it and bought it, that, but
3: that is the best DLC I've played on that game so far.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, other things about Mass Effect One, I guess the plot. Um, I, I will say, you know what? I, I'm a guy who, when I talk about RPGs, I really, I will lambast anything that is too familiar or too easy. Like pretty much anything that's Tolkien, like Tolkienish fantasy, sort of loses a point for me. So seeing a sci-fi RPG just great. And a sci-fi RPG that really was optimistic and sort of 1970s latex spacesuit Star Trek kind of style more than anything. It's just a complete breath of fresh air.
3: Well, I like the plot because, I don't know, maybe I'm just seeing too many sci-fi plots or too many sci-fi stories. I didn't know what was going on when I learned that the Reaper was actually the ship and that the guy you had been fighting this whole time has been under his hypnosis. I was like, what, really? That completely caught me out of left field, so anytime a sci-fi story can surprise me, I'm impressed. True,
1: but again, even even though it was uh, very original, they managed to hit a lot of beats that are familiar, like there's a set of missions on one planet that are straight up, you know, Starship Troopers, and there's, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of nods to some very classic sci-fi stories.
3: Well, they keep it, they don't, you know, they keep it grounded in the base sci-fi you need, but they don't go, you know, But they don't, you know, stay in that sci-fi story the entire time. They go and make their own ground. I mean, the best thing I can say about Mass Effect 1 is they started from nothing. This isn't based on anything anyone's ever written before. And they still made a great story. They established an entire universe on its own in one game and it worked. And it was cohesive
1: very yeah. rich and detailed and stuff i read the codex stuff because it was fun little speculative bits of speculative
0: fiction like it was really good yeah i, I really liked down. finding out about one,
1: why the, like they they go into an explanation as to why starship as to why uh, capital ships fight nose to nose in that setting and it's like it makes sense i think i interrupted you there Derek.
0: i pretty much just said the same thing the yeah, i read through every single codex as i got it And if I opened up my start screen and saw a little glowy light that said I hadn't read something, I was, oh my god, I have to go read that right now. And I'd hunt it down. They were well written, and it really brought a lot into the game. I don't want want to go into the plot in detail. I just say it's a lot of
1: fun. I think we hit most of the character high points. I guess we should talk about elevators, because no one would shut up about elevators.
0: And how installing it on your hard drive doesn't actually affect anything. It's just a really long elevator.
1: Yeah, like yeah, I understand the idea of wanting to hide the load screen, but when you're just replacing it with you can spin the camera around your characters as the next thing loads, not that interesting.
0: No, it was they... a good idea, in theory.
3: No, it wasn't. <laughs>
1: no, like they... I, I admired the ambition, but if they'd like if they'd managed to tighten down the load times, maybe.
3: Well, I don't mind load times, I I mean, the load times in one or two weren't that bad, but at least in two, they just said, okay, here's a loading screen. You kind of get to see some neat graphics. As opposed well, to did you notice angle, what most just... of the
1: graphics were in the loading screens?
3: It was the, the elevators,
1: elevators yeah. going up and down.
3: Yes, it was, but it was neat-looking elevators going up and down, as opposed to the first one where you're standing in an elevator, all you hear is, Vring.
1: And there were little that's bits it. of news, and sometimes your characters would... <laughs> But mostly it was. Yeah.
3: Well, at least in, like, when you're in the Citadel in the elevator, yeah, you'll get some news to listen to that'll keep you occupied. But when you're moving inside the uh, Normandy itself, there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you just stand there and twiddle your thumbs.
1: Like, on the Citadel, when you go up elevators, you get the impression you're going really long distances. On right. the Normandy, you know you're
0: going down mm-hmm. one floor. <laughs> now one's just a really right. slow elevator so, that's just a slow yeah, this ass elevator the,
3: this is the most advanced starship in the fleet and we got an elevator from the 1930s what the hell well indeed. they got to bring
0: something from the past into
3: it
2: indeed <laughs> hey sam's still here hey sam I'm sorry i'm just very quiet sometimes i like to let you guys do your jibber jabbering
1: So, sam do you have any jibber jabber to add
2: but Mass Effect 1, not really, because, you know, it really was a short game. It's a short experience. Um, I guess I like the final boss of the game. Well, I, had I like fun that you can talk him into
1: shooting himself.
2: Yes, which yeah. I couldn't do.
3: <laughs> uh, I got him very sad. That was awesome. It was like, how are we going to kill the bad guy? You're going to talk him into committing suicide. What? Holy crap, it worked. <laughs> can you ever see like the batman going up to the joker you know you should really just kill yourself and save us all the trouble and it actually works well that that was a big thing in fallout
1: in fallout one and two was if you really cranked your persuasion up you could convince a lot of the bad guys to kill themselves but i don't think it's something that's really been re- revisited since and it was awesome to see it happen again
2: well i i just i enjoyed the majority of the game even though it felt insanely short like, I think I only clocked, must have been, what, 15 hours? If about. you do
1: absolutely everything,
2: it's like 30. Yeah.
1: I, I did, definitely say, I did a lot than more
2: than
3: I think I played at least 20 hours on that thing.
2: Yeah, it might have been between 15 and 20, which for me is, is still short, considering the majority of games I play. It's it's just one odd thing I've noticed about Western RPGs. They tend to be a lot shorter than uh, a lot of the JRPGs I get forced to play. See, I actually sat down and
0: explored virtually every planet that the Mako could land on, and I had a method of searching the entire planet and finding everything. And yeah, I'm kind of crazy like that. I went down and did it. And I think I logged close to 40 hours easily. Which is still half the length of a Persona game. This is true.
2: Oh, Persona, you take forever to play, and yet you're so enjoyable the whole time. (laughs) All right, Sorry, I, guess, I love Persona.
1: <laughs> I guess we should get into uh, Mass Effect Two now, um, which doesn't, which I'm gonna come down a bit harsher on for a lot of reasons. But um, again, want to start with gameplay because that was a big change from one.
0: It was much cleaner and much more concise in what it had in mind.
2: It played more like a shooter. Yeah, it, it did. did.
0: It was just a shooter, and I, I, I sort
1: of miss the really long list of cool abilities you had three just not enough, especially if you rolled soldier because now you have two kinds of ammo and adrenaline rush which wasn't as cool as the three or four things you'd get out of mass effect one soldier
0: i had a lot of fun playing through as vanguard on the second game that's Um, because you had the slammy thing although i will say that the vanguard as absolute trash when you play it in upper difficulty levels yeah. You hit hard, and it's impossible to actually play.
2: Again, I played a soldier, so that obviously didn't affect me too much.
3: I played Soldier, and quite frankly, I liked Mass Effect 2's gameplay more than one. One, like you said, it was trying to be a shooter, but it didn't quite get there. If you're going to try to be a shooter, just go all the way and be a shooter. the RPG stuff out. Yeah, and that's what it did in Mass Effect 2. It just said, okay, forget the RPG crap. We're just going to be a shooter with a story.
2: See, I didn't like that. I didn't like it one bit.
3: <laughs> well, I'm not shocked I... by that, Sam, but...
2: <laughs> no, and the reason I didn't like it very much was the fact that with Mass Effect 1, maybe it just felt like when I was shooting things, it was a little bit more accurate. I wasn't huge on the pop and shoot, especially because think... it just wasn't... I don't know. I just don't like it. I didn't like that it was more of a shooter. Because I also suck at shooters. So, like, I didn't entirely mask... What? I could I couldn't mask my ability to suck at shooters in Mass Effect 2 the way I could one.
0: <laughs> I found the ability to play it more strategically though. Um, I found it was actually capable of playing strategically rather than the first one. I just kind of zerged everything. Whereas I actually had to be somewhat of a strategist to succeed, especially as a vanguard. I mean, you're designed to charge in. <clears> in a cover-based but... shooter. <laughs> Yeah, it was... I don't know, I still thoroughly enjoyed it, personally. Um, And the fact that they kind of split up the RPG elements with the action side of things, and it came on two completely different sides of that, I found the... I don't know what to call it, the uh, splitting up of that. I personally thought it worked really well in terms of gameplay. It kind of pared down what uh, the first one was.
1: Uh, Other gameplay changes is you didn't have to drive around in the Mako anymore. I didn't miss that.
0: You... Not at all.
1: Yeah, like, I, I liked driving around, but I didn't miss driving around.
0: I didn't right. mind when you drove around for the actual mission portions. I didn't I mind didn't that. Mi- guess, scanning um, was slow and boring.
3: It was slow and boring, but... I don't know. For some strange reason, I kind of enjoyed it to a like, certain extent. You get hypnotic, those... but it is slow. It's, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's like Tetris. When you sit somewhere in there watching someone else do it, you're like, why are you doing that? You, the guy who hands you the Tetris game, you will be playing that thing for hours. Same thing with the scanning the planets. You see someone scanning the planets, what are you doing? He hands you the controller, you start scanning the planets, you cannot stop.
1: I, I couldn't stop. True. Need more palladium
3: yeah. and not even because you
1: need to upgrade anything, it's just there is palladium out there
3: and I must claim it. Yeah, whenever you go to a planet and you look at the planet and it says high resources you're like, oh shit, I gotta look at everything even if you don't need any of it, you're still like high resources,
0: it means I gotta look at it. <laughs> and you scan the entire thing in a grid-like fashion yeah. Yep Yeah, you'd so... think
3: a, a ship like the Normandy have a little bit bigger <laughs> radar than that thing
0: I really enjoyed when they made the... oh the hat, you got the upgrade. That increased the speed of that. Oh yeah, the speed and the size.
1: Yeah, and I... One thing that I guess... That that was a really big deal to me was that you could reload your guns.
2: Yay! Reloading!
1: And I feel like it's a big step backward because if you read the fiction, you know how the guns work. and It's just like... And it's not... And the gun heats up because you're just because the ammo is only you know little bits of uh, metal just accelerated really fast uh, by rail guns and when you find out that you have heat sinks that with a fixed number of slots you're sort of like what why would you want this you didn't have to do anything last time you just had to watch your heat and i almost wish there was sort of a hybrid system where you had the little heat meter and you could carry one extra heatsink for every gun. So you could have the option to wait, or you could just swap it out if you
0: were really desperate to get, uh, to get business done. But then that kind of detracts from the actual heatsink in the first game and the needing to watch that. Especially depending on the kind of weapon you used. Because some weapons, I mean, you could fire, 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 and it wouldn't be a problem. And all of a sudden you switch that heatsink out, and everything's dead by the time that second clip is gone. Yeah, true.
1: Like yeah, obviously the ability to swap out um, the heatsink on like the the, the Mark 7 or Mark 10 Spectre gear would just be insane. But that that's more the
0: exception because most of the guns do actually heat up and heat up quite fast. Mm-hmm. Especially in, well, this is back to the first game, but when you I don't remember the actual names of the upgrades, but you could turn a pistol into a single shot rocket launcher effectively.
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the, the high, ridiculously high <laughs> explosive rounds.
0: Yeah, I love doing that, or doing that with a shotgun too.
1: That, that's the other thing I sort of missed, was upgrading the guns. As much as much of a pain that the inventory man, management was, was you really felt like you had control over what you were doing. Was that you know I want this and this and that's gonna fit suit my playstyle, and you didn't really see that as much.
3: I don't know. In Mass Effect 2, they, they gave you the option of here. If you want to go into your details of your powers and what you get, you can do that. And if you don't want to, you can just put it to manual and we'll do it all for you.
1: Like, as much as it streamlined things and I appreciate um, how much easier it ran, I sort of miss, I, I do miss some of the better fiddly bits of the first game.
3: The only thing I really missed from the first game in that respect is I enjoyed, you know, getting my... Uh, fellow shipmates you know the best armor the best weapons and this one now they, they just get the same set of armor like Garris in the beginning of the, the game he shows up with that trashed armor and all throughout the game he's wearing the trashed armor it's like dude we don't get another set of armor for him on this whole ship well and then you do the loyalty mission and he gets a new outfit
1: and it's also trashed right <laughs> it's just a color difference
3: <laughs> it's like so dude, it's we almost get this like guy some super glue or something
1: like if you're OCD enough, you'll spend the two bucks for the appearance pack so that he has the different outfit.
3: Yeah. So we finally got him a good set of armor. All this money from uh, what's the damn uh, Cere- cerebrus? And we can't get him a new set of armor, really? Yeah.
1: It's like, you know I've got this pile of pl- I've got this pile of platinum. Can we turn that into new armor?
3: Yeah. Seriously. I got lots of Element Zero for sale. Someone's got to have some armor. Come on.
1: Someone. Anybody. Let's go back to the Citadel. Let's go to Marland's famous shop. What? Marland's out of business? I can't even go to that level? <laughs> Crazy. Do you want to get into the plot of the second game? I... I yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> why? This is, this is where I'm going to come down hard on Bioware, and it's not entirely... And it's mostly because the lead writer from the first game, Mr. Drew Carpician... Left to go to Texas to do Old Republic, so I hope uh, Old Republic is damn worth it for this game being less good for it.
3: <clears throat> I didn't mind the story so much as the fact that, it, like I said before, it had a beginning, it had a middle, and it kind of had an end.
0: When it, you had it the kind of, led when you, into you had, what,
3: when you finished I think the game. The third movie. Well, I'm sure it, it's part of it's so them leading you into the third game. They're saying. Yeah, We know we didn't answer all your questions, but don't worry. There's going to be a third, and maybe a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth. God knows how many.
1: Well, they, they'll, do a, they'll do a third in the main series, and then I'm sure they'll do some sort of spin-off type things. Probably. So you'll have this main plot, and then I hope we get something else focused on some other bit of the setting. Okay. The, this, this is what it comes down to is, you start off the game, and you're stuck working for Cerberus. And you have to remember that there were three bad guys in the first game. You had the Geth, Batarians and Cerberus. And Cerberus were the most idiotic bad of the bad guys. Like, they were this pro-human rights group that only seemed to be really ineffectual. They, they mostly killed other humans. Like, every time there was some sort of science experiment gone wrong on a random planet, it was Cerberus running it. <laughs> And every time the elusive man sent you on something specifically, like he, it, he, they pulled you off your little running around doing whatever you wanted, and said you have to go do this. And if you thought about how the mission was structured, you're like, this is completely moronic. Like you, you sent me into a trap without telling me. Because why? And you because sent me I'm an this asshole. Because I'm the last best hope for humanity. Because
0: why? Because they paid a lot of money. Yeah, no, they, they spent a lot of money
1: bringing you back, and now they're sending you into imminent death without warning you.
0: Because.
2: Eh. Well, I didn't have that much el- of with that. I didn't
3: have much beef with that, because the problem with Cerberus is it's run by one guy. One guy, I mean, you saw it in the first game, and, and they mentioned it a whole lot in the second. These people are working under Elusive Man, and they're not telling them what they're doing. You know, uh, Elusive Man's got one person who's close to him, and that's um, the girl Miranda. that he puts on the sh- Miranda that he puts on the ship. Other than that, does he have anyone who he speaks to directly? Apparently, everyone else is just given orders through email. Apparently,
2: well, actually, that's not technically true because Jacob also counts there too. Okay, he kind of got to speak to Elusive Man,
0: but he's but just a soldier. He no, like, he exactly. doesn't really have any.
3: Yeah, he's connection. not in charge of anything.
0: Well, okay, Except here, here's. Saluting. He's the
1: only person who salutes.
2: He's in charge of saluting. Scott. Yeah? Let me talk. Okay. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here, here's my beef with the whole elusive man bullshit, whatever. Of all the people you put in charge, you put in charge Miranda. Okay? Yes, yes
3: we know, you, Sam. You hate you Miranda. Put,
2: you put. The biggest fucking moron in that game in a position of power and then she has the nerve to say things to Shepard like well if i was in this position i would do this way and it just you know what she she rubbed me the wrong way and it made me kind of go elusive man you have no friggin taste in your personnel (laughs)
3: like
2: miranda miranda was the example of like how to write an idiot into an rpg like, I found she was stupider than the elusive man was. And I actually didn't think the elusive man was as bad as, I think, Scott thinks he is. <laughs> I mean, I just saw the elusive man as, oh, wow, it's this guy. He wants me to do stuff. I don't really want to do stuff for him, so I'm just going to react as being a bitch. And get my point across. And then do it my way. Even if my way means, you know, oh, well, I accidentally killed some things that you wanted. Big deal. Big deal. Whereas every time I had to take Miranda somewhere, I wanted to like put a gun to my head.
3: I never thought Miranda is stupid. I just thought she had an ego the size of a penny moon. I mean,
2: she just thought she was the
3: greatest thing. I didn't think she was dumb. I just thought she was the greatest thing since sliced bread. She is the ultimate. I mean, she even bitches about how her father made her into the ultimate person. But she still thinks of herself as the ultimate person.
1: Wait a second. I figured out why I think I hate Miranda so much. She's Kira goddamn Yamato. (laughs) No, she's
3: not Kira Yamato.
1: (laughs) No, she's the ultimate bionic.
3: Yeah, but Kira doesn't think of himself as the ultimate corner. She does!
2: (laughs) No, like, you know what? Miranda's loyalty mission, while it gave me two seconds of, oh, I actually feel like two seconds of sympathy for you, was the dumbest thing I wasted my time. I want to save my sister, but I don't want her to know me. I'm like... that, no I, I I'm sorry that's just dumb It's dumb that you're making me put my life on the line for you <laughs> when you're just like yeah I want my sister to appreciate things but don't tell her I I, I did this for her you you can talk to her for me it's okay like it, it reminds me of why I hate Tifa from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> exactly that same reason it's like you you, you give me this egotistical woman who is so full of herself that it actually makes her stupid Ah! like that's one thing i hate i don't like an egotistical woman who sounds so stupid when she talks and let's just add to the fact that she's got this giant gap in her teeth that's really distracting when (laughs) she
3: talks (laughs) she's stupid she's egotistical and she's got that damn gap in her teeth
2: (laughs) what the hell Every time she opened her mouth, I always purposely made sure that Shepard shut her down. (laughs) Like at the end of the game where she's like, I think you should pick me for your captain. And I was like, uh, no, Garrus, go. I thought that was the most interesting bit
3: about the end when she's the very end last mission of the game. When she gives you advice, the best way to get someone killed is to listen to her. If she sells, put someone in charge, No, you don't put that person in charge. If she says I can be that biotic, they can do it. No, she can't. She's gonna die.
1: No, no. That's whatever she says
3: to do, don't do do it because someone's gonna die if she does.
1: When you listen to Miranda's (laughs) advice, it doesn't get her killed. It gets someone else killed. Like if she does the bubble thing, it'll kill one of your party members, not her.
2: Right. Yep. And it's like, why would I do that? I'm not that stupid. (laughs) So I'd be like, nope, go Garrus. Nope, go. Whatchamacallit, call it, Blue Lady? Joe! <laughs> no! Blue Lady. I can't. Uh, Samara, that was her name. Right. Samara I didn't get Jack... the
0: other one, could not you? You get
2: the other one. I didn't get the other one because yeah, of how I. You, responded. you have
1: to really, and that's that's something that I'm gonna get into too, is that, um, when we get to how the alignment ends up working. But one one thing I'll say is that the loyalty missions aspect of the game is really great. Like, as much as I complain about how the main plot missions don't make that much sense if you think about them the loyalty missions are a lot of fun and really well thought out and show you the character and show you why you should care and
2: except give you for some Miranda. interesting little
1: encounters with them
2: except for Miranda
1: well, <laughs> except for that Miranda one Miranda
2: was the example of we didn't try here so that's okay
1: but my one question is, why do I even have to pr- get the loyalty of Garrus and Tali as much as fun as those two missions
0: were these guys <laughs> have already gone through hell with me yeah, you they think they'd be bed. your friends from the get-go. Yeah. Although They're they just ca- asking for an extra little bit of help from Although a when, good friend.
3: Yeah. yeah. Although when you think about it, when they interact with you when you first meet them, my favorite all-time line in the whole game is when you first meet Garrus, and he takes off his mask and you go, Garrus, how in the hell did you get every crook, criminal, slimeball, and dirtbag on this entire station wanting to kill you? And he goes... Wasn't easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well it's well his first thing he says is took you long enough. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. Or the I... or the or the line when he gets him back on the ship when he says, oh, I feel like hell, how's my face look? And then Shepard goes, oh, you were always ugly, Garrus. This ain't gonna make it much better
2: I love Garrus. I loved Garrus and Tally and having them back really um, made me Um, Appreciate the game a little bit more And it made me kind of feel a little bit more comfortable Mostly because I Didn't really like a lot of the characters At first I mean I've already gone the Miranda Hay train We don't need to go there Jacob I only liked for a very selfish reason I don't want to get into that Oh please Uh, do
1: Just say it And don't don't elaborate Say your reason
2: Because he's a hot piece of black chocolate There we go Okay, then. I will definitely um, say. I, I figured sorry. it was something like that. Because, let's face it, Jacob also is the other character who gets, like, a weak loyalty mission. And, like, no matter how much they try to say, Jacob's dad's an asshole. I mean, it wasn't that interesting. It's like, oh, my poor Jacob. Here, I'll shoot your daddy for you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, why'd you do that? And I'll be like, well, because uh-huh. he was a jerk. <laughs>
3: He was a douche who made his own private harem because he drugged everybody, that's why.
2: Pretty much. I mean, like, I felt kind of sorry for Jacob that, you know, they give you this this soldier character who pretty much is a blank slate, and then when they actually try to give him development, they didn't really go the extra mile the way that they did some of the other characters. Like, one thing I appreciate is the fact that Garrison Tally did get that extra little bit to make you appreciate why they're there. But some of the other characters, like, Jacob and Miranda, they they really got shafted in terms of story development. I I really feel Bioware didn't try there (laughs) with those two. But then I look at a character like Thane and I thought Thane had a great story. And I think he's one of the more underappreciated characters in the game. Thane
1: just a a movie.
3: Pretty much. Thane had a great story, but it didn't get developed enough. I wanted to learn, you know, more about him. I wanted to learn more about his family. It, I guess that's a case of, you know, leaving and wanting more. They did the same thing with, um, or oh, who's the geth he get? I forget his Legion. name. Legion. Legion. While
0: we're on favorite characters, I will have to say Legion is by and far my favorite character from the second game, just because oh, of yeah. who he is, what he is, and what he represents.
2: Oh, and having his interactions with Tally are just brilliant. Oh,
1: yeah. Take take Legion on Tally's loyalty mission. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, wow! The one thing I really have done that, is but that, that would you be interesting. For very long. It's like you get him in the story of the game, and it's almost over by that point. Yeah, you, you get him at the end of the second act, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it would have been fun to see a little bit more Legion in the game, but
2: well, I just I really think...
0: hope they elaborate on that in the third game. Just like the true Geth, the true Geth versus like I mean, you basically have the choice to commit genocide on this
1: race well, of geth well it's like genocide it. or mass um, and that that's one of the best quests in the game because it forces you to choose between genocide and like mass brainwashing like
3: it's like yeah you're either going to be a monster or a monster pick your choice here yeah wanna, you want to kill them all or you want to rewrite their brains
1: and another gameplay addition that um it that come, ties back into the paragon thing is that You know, you have these little, like, little quick time events that let you change the course of how uh, certain cutscenes go, and they're just great. Like, sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll see characters get off on a rant, and it's like, oh, you need a hug. Have a hug. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's like, this guy is rambling and trying to threaten me. I'm gonna kick him out a window. (laughs)
2: You know, Scott, we still haven't talked to you about a character that I know you love, which is uh, Dr. Solis.
1: Yes, Dr. Morden Solis. And uh, what I love about, what's really great about Dr. Morden is that they spend a lot of the time in the first game getting you to sympathize with the Krogan and how the the Genophage hit them. And then they introduce you to the guy who designed it. And you sort of... Your first reaction to him is, like, he he's sort of, like, you know, one of these Nazi scientists. Like, he did terrible things. And then you talk to him, and, you know, you go through his loyalty mission where he confronts one of his assistants on that mission. And he's like... And you... And again, you have to choose. It's like, yeah, the Krogan probably would have been worse than the Rachni if they'd gotten to keep going. But what happened was also terrible. And it's another... Do you choose to be a monster, or do you choose to be a monster?
3: Well, I like—I really like the explanation he gave for why things are so bad there. He said, if you gave a caveman a nuclear weapon, do you expect him to know what to do with it? He says, we made this problem. We got the Krogan to beat the Rackni, and we gave him stuff that was way too advanced for them. Say, we screwed this up. We had to fix it. The fix wasn't pretty, but if we didn't do something, it was going to be ugly anyway.
1: Also, Gilbert and Sullivan. Yes, <laughs>
3: very much so. <laughs> I just, I just love the fact that after he sings, Shepard just stands there and just doesn't say anything. Dumbfounded, no
0: reaction. You sang. It's like, <laughs> wait, I gotta it's hear like, this. I'm just gonna leave that alone. I actually just watched it shortly before we started recording. Mm-hmm.
1: It's, so great. it's still great. And um, what what's really awesome is despite having lower stats lower defensive stats than a lot of the other characters if you leave him alone he's the ai character most likely to just clear a room by himself <laughs> like Doctor, he, he he's a badass
3: headshot uh, headshot headshot headshot. on fire flammable he or
1: inflammable Boom, headshot yes he does and he also says flammable or inflammable uh it doesn't matter much yes doc, doc, uh, dr Morton's awesome
2: I liked a lot of the characters for the most part in, in Mass Effect 2. I mean, we also didn't talk about Jack, who I actually liked I quite a bit. I could not stand Jack. Really? I wanted to slap her upside the head most of the game.
3: Like, you put kept... your bitch in and go away. <laughs>
2: oh, I, I enjoyed her bitching. I thought she was pretty funny.
3: But just then got again. I was <laughs> so sick of her by the end of the game. I just, when you went on her loyalty mission, it was like, just kill the guy or not. Get on with it. Mm <laughs>
2: Oh, I had fun with her explosion. I was like, "Go do your explosion, so I can enjoy it." Well, she definitely had a reason to be the way she was. I mean,
0: she wasn't exactly treated well all through her entire life. Oh, I'm not saying
3: she she wasn't, you know, a screwed up person. I'm just saying she was a really annoying screwed up person.
1: <laughs> as annoying and screwed up as uh, Stellar,
3: and I, Jack was worse. At least Stella tried to be nice. Jack was just, you know, off the fucking reservation insane. I was like, uh, I love the line when after it's over, she, you go to talk to that uh, counselor that's on the bridge. Yeah. And you ask her about Jack and she's just like, yeah, Jack's just screwed up. <laughs> I and mean, every other one, she, you know, she has some thoughts about and she's just like, Jack's got issues, man. <laughs> I'm a therapist, <laughs> but I can't fix that. At
2: the end of the day, you don't want to fix that. You don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Right. I'm more disturbed that I
3: didn't even know Jack was an actual romantic option for Guy Shepard until the end. I was like, really? It's like, you can turn Jack around into the nice girl? That's some really good work there, Shepard. Well
0: done, sir. Well, you can also get the psychologist, too. (laughs) Yeah. Provided you make the right choice and, you know, don't liquefy her. And (laughs) forgive her for killing your
1: space fish. Those are expensive damn space fish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't ask her to feed my space hamster.
3: Oh, <laughs> the space hamster. It's like, you can buy a space hamster, and you go back, holy crap, there's a space hamster.
1: Did, did Did you get that joke, though, Jeff? Did you play Baldur's Gate?
3: No, I didn't play Baldur's Gate. Is there a joke in there I'm missing?
1: Yes. Uh, In, in Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, there's uh, a barbarian named Minsk, and he, and he has a pet hamster named Boo. And if you ask him about Boo, he will say that Boo is a miniature giant space hamster,
3: which,
1: which are real <laughs> monsters from D&D. Like, giant space hamsters are real monsters in Spelljammer. And, and Mince will claim that he is that Boo is, in fact, an intelligent miniature giant space hamster.
2: Okay, then. Yeah. Mince can boo. Minsken can boo. Go for the eyes, boo. That's Mince all a I hamster,
3: A hamster that eats your eyeballs.
2: The hamster didn't actually do anything
3: raw.
1: except take up one of Minsk's quick item slots. Oh, but Minsk oh. and Boo were awesome.
2: Can, can we talk about the two pointless DLC characters? Because they were both really pointless.
1: Oh. <laughs> I got yeah. a
2: sexy dress out of the Kazumi mission. That's all I cared about.
1: Well, you got a sexy dress and a sexy SMG.
2: <laughs> yeah, I cared more about the dress. Just because Shepherd, female Shepard has some really Fugmo clothing options. Like, the overalls made no sense. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's like, no one would wear that. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, you could just put her in her, you know, officer's uniform. And I was like, that's even worse. (laughs) Like, this woman needs some clothes. I kept her in her armor until Scott's like, "Uh, I think I have the dress DLC. Let me get you the dress. (laughs) I was like, thank God. I was like, Bioware, you know nothing about women's fashion?
3: I got news for you. 99. Actually, I take that back. 95% of men know nothing about women's fashion. Yeah, but they really need San Francisco. In San Francisco, the rules don't apply.
1: They also designed Samara's outfit and that just perfectly complemented her left and right assets.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so yeah, they need to learn clothes and they need to learn hair because the hair options for female shepherd were pretty effing bad. Well, you got to remember that
0: you're also creating a soldier. Like, they can't be completely out there.
2: Oh, no, but, like, for example, Shepard with a ponytail looked really stupid because her forehead was so massive. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Like, they weren't, they, they didn't contour hey, the hey. hair very well.
3: <laughs> hey, 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 there's what? a guy with a giant forehead. Shut the hell up. <laughs> hey,
2: I wasn't picking on your giant forehead. I was picking on Commander Shepard's giant forehead when, you know, they put a ponytail on her.
3: I'm just saying, giant foreheads are not a bad thing. So shut the hell up.
2: I have one. <laughs> Does you've, it matter? Seen, you've seen that my
3: forehead is like a third of my face.
2: <laughs> uh, see, I've somehow managed to offend Jeff and his giant forehead, people. Damn yeah, right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's weird, because so I've been poking to him about Cosmic Era Gundam shows all night, and he has not risen to the bait.
2: No, nope, no, he nope, went cause... for the other bait, because mine nope. was more offensive and personal.
3: No, because everyone tempts me with the Destiny crap. I can go on that if I, you really want me to. But
1: oh, I've got you down for an episode in July with uh, with the haters from Anime North. You you can that's... just have it out with those guys.
3: Okay. That's Defender, fine, of Destiny
1: bitches. But back on topic, um...
3: we were on a topic.
1: I uh,
2: hate Zayeed. Can we talk about that?
1: Sam hates Zaid for some
0: reason. Wait, is that the uh, mercenary guy? Yeah, he. he the was mercenary also- guy
2: who's like. He's right. like, I'm hardcore. I've got one type of personality. Thumbs yeah, up. Zaid
3: was kind of two-dimensional. I mean, the he at least the thief free. had a fun mission.
0: Zaid was just fairly stupid. He had a good gun though, that was out of commission.
3: Anyone else think Zaid was a really old version of Crocodile Dundee? <laughs>
2: Probably. That probably sounds accurate.
3: The more I thought, it's like, this is like Crocodile Dundee aged another 20 years. In space. In, In space. space.
0: scar on his face. Now this is a knife.
2: Exactly.
3: He's holding up that gun. That gun there saved me life right there. Except he doesn't talk like a pirate. You know what I
2: mean? <laughs> oh, come on. It's so funny. He, he, he was just he was poorly written but in a fun way whereas kazumi was lame on so many levels that her, like other than for the dress i felt like i like scott didn't get his money's worth and i just borrowed off of it dress plus gun is awesome kazumi kind of useless
1: what else was speaking of fun bits was i loved running around the citadel in the second game like it was half the size but all of the ads and like the banter from the shopkeepers and uh...
3: there, there were a whole lot of fun little you know two minute missions in that game. Yeah. In Mass Effect One, you ran across you know occasional two minute mission, but if you just wandered around the Citadel, you could all you could find all sorts of little you know two three
0: minute missions that were a lot of fun. And although I don't think it's on the Citadel, your biggest fan. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he was on the <laughs> Citadel. The creepy guy who says, point the gun at me, I want to take a picture. I'm like.
0: Well, that dude. was in the first game he was on the Citadel. In the second game, you find him uh, wherever Liara ends up. Yeah. I think, don't you? Yeah, well, every
1: cameo from the first game was on Ilung. Like, you could not turn around without bumping into someone from the first game. It was the <laughs> smallest planet ever.
3: Yeah. Well, the Citadel got knocked down. You only had, like, two levels from Citadel on the first game. So they're all compact in there. Yeah.
1: But, you know what? My favorite shop was on there. All four of them.
0: All right. So anything else?
3: Have we rambled on for one night?
0: Yeah, I think we might have. Um, Can I just say one more thing about Legion? Yeah, sure. Of course. Okay. One of my favorite lines in the game, and a. I'm quite serious, it's when you ask Legion about why he repaired himself with Shepard's armor, and he responds with something along the lines of, there is no data for that. No, no, it's, there was a hole,
1: and then you can but ask there was him, a hole. why my armor, specifically, and he's like, insufficient data.
0: Yeah, insufficient <laughs> data, I love that whole, that whole thing there. Actually, no. One of my favorite back and forths. One thing I wanted to talk about was more about the DLC
1: because uh, Overlord and um, Overlord and Shadow were just really awesome. Overlord was this really almost a, like a Philip K. Dick cyberpunk story about this autistic guy who gets who figures out how to speak Geth and gets wired into a computer to try and take him over and then goes a little nuts. And it's really and that's a really neat mission. Uh, to go through and just relive his past and see his perspective on what his brother did to him. But Shadow Broker's great, not, ju- not just because you get to hook up with Liara again, but um, if you read the dossiers, on like, you read the Shadow Broker dossiers on all your characters, it's hilarious. Like, uh, Jack tries to write poetry and...
3: Yeah. Or when uh Legion's Tally... been
1: booted from World of War Space World of Warcraft like <laughs> seven times for hacking,
3: or when Tali downloads the uh, the uh, physical uh, what is it called the physical and pleasure pack five times. Yeah, she downloads it. Get rid of it. Downloads well, it again. Every time it, it. She, Download... she downloads it, it's like a newer version. Right. Then she finally erases everything and then buys the deluxe set. (laughs) It's like, okay, Tally. And especially if you if you turn, I picked Tally as my romantic interest in the second game, and she's downloading all this stuff about human, you know, understanding human physical uh, interactions, understanding human speech, understanding human sexual, you know, innuendos, and she's
2: downloading all this stuff, and you're like. Dude, did you really not know that much? Well. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Sorry. Like, I've, I've tuned in again. I need to tell my story, Scott, about well, what happened to but me and me, Liara. Let me
1: mention the other, the, the other dossier. When you read Rex's, you, you go through his search history and he's like, great human stories. It's like, great, great human generals. Great human war stories. Ernest Hemingway. Old men in the sea. Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry Confessions, Volume 26, is a popular rental.
2: <laughs> I
1: think three or four different crew members rented that. <laughs> and there was just so much more Joker in the second game, and giving him a love interest, who was a crazy AI lady, was awesome.
3: Uh, I love that AI. I forget the name of it, but I love... She, she just turned to... Like, the beginning of the, thing, the game, she was dull and uninteresting, and by the end of the game, she was a total smartass. Yeah. And she's like... And she tells Jokers, like, I love enslaving humans. And I love Trevor, seeing like, humans on their knees. I love seeing humans on their knees. And he goes, <laughs> what? He goes, that was a joke. He's like funny as hell. Yeah, I'm laughing.
1: It's better not go bad. I don't want to be, you know, you know, I don't want to have, see two years later. And it's like, oh, the, I have to spend the rest of my life calculating pie because Joker plugged in the overlord. All right, Sam, I think you can tell your story now.
2: Oh, OK. So, when I was doing Shadow Broker, I had Liara come back to my room and she scolded me for flirting with Jacob and then still had sex with me. (laughs) And then, what was even funnier was that later on, when I went to go back to see Jacob, he was like, I heard you hooked up with Liara again. And I was like, oh, crap. And then he still had sex with me, too. And I was like, what the (laughs) hell? You guys suck. (laughs) It's like (laughs) you're jealous. But you still want to have sex with me. <laughs> Make up your mind. But I just remember I just when that happened. It. Well, it's funny because I remember when that was happening. Scott was like, you know, I've never had that happen before. <laughs> being scolded. And I was like, this is not fun anymore. I'm being scolded for something I didn't do. That I didn't didn't remember. <laughs> oh, I don't know if anyone else had that happen. No. But I did. <laughs>
0: I still have to go pick up that Shadow Broker. I was kind of waiting for it, and then it kind of got put on the back burner, and I kind of forgot about it.
1: Well, Arrival just dropped yesterday as a recording, and I don't think any of us have played it, but I've heard that it's a pretty... Good it it mostly exists to be a cock tease for uh, Mass Effect 3, the same way Witch Hunt was a cock tease for uh, Dragon Age
0: 2. Okay.
1: That's pretty much that. Any final thoughts?
2: No, I like Mass Effect 2. I want to play it again before the next one comes out. But knowing me, I probably won't. (laughs) I'm still going to
0: play Mass Effect 3 as a Vanguard, despite the fact that it got completely boned in the second game.
1: Well, they they actually made the hybrid classes interesting instead of just, you get half the skill list of each. Yeah. But yeah, in a cover-based shooter, an ability that puts you in the middle, out in the open not exactly fun
0: yeah it, it's it's fine uh-huh. in the normal mode but in hard mode it just hard and above you're you're done there's nothing you can do you have to play it as a, a weak soldier
1: yeah and you don't and you don't get the long-range weapon so you still kind of have to close in on everyone
0: to, well you, you can the take um, assault rifle training but you're just not very good with it yeah
3: i'll say that for all my little complaints about mass effect one and two I still can't wait to play 3, so my complaints are mostly minor.
0: This is very true. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: Solid games. I, I will whine about the plot of 2 a lot, but I think there are some aspects that will be vindicated by 3 and some that will just won't and I'll accept. But until then, uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Good night.
3: Bye. Jam man, Zero two five, defender of peanut butter
0: <laughs> <laughs> and jam. <gem. laughs> uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside.
1: I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Licensed under Creative Commons license. Check out our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Check us out on Twitter at sbo podcast or our Facebook page at I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Or kick
2: me. The SBO podcast at gmail.